You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and all things modern culture. I'm your host, Mindy Chang, and this week I'm coming to you solo from South Atlanta, Georgia, where I'm doing a sales gig to help pay for my bills this month. So uh, I'm here in my Airbnb. It's a tiny bit echoey, but I'm under a fort that I made using my tripod and some bed sheets. So hopefully that will make my voice a little less echoey, but hang in there with me. It's, it shouldn't be too long of a podcast episode, but I wanted to share some thoughts with you guys on my topic of this week on opportunity costs. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. Kick off your shoes and relax and let's talk. Um, Well, I'll talk hopefully coherently and you listen. (laughs) Um, But in any case, I've had a lot of really great conversations lately uh, with several friends who are all transitioning in really important parts of their lives, whether they are embarking on a new career path, starting their own businesses, uh, moving back home, having children, getting married, and there's just been a lot happening. And in my own life, I transitioned out of my full-time job back in May and really took on this whole freelance career segment of my life, being an actor, um, taking on writing and wanting to get into filmmaking and doing voice work, etc. So there's been a lot happening in, definitely in my neck of the woods too. And the, the idea or the concepts and the mindset of opportunity costs really has taken a forefront in my life and having all these conversations with friends. So just to start things off, first of all, we need to know what what does opportunity cost mean? What is the definition of this term? And the definition of this of opportunity cost is the loss of potential gain from other alternatives when one alternative is chosen. So I'll say that again. The loss of potential gain from other alternatives when one alternative is chosen. So I don't know why this came to my mind as the first example, but say that you're at something like Coachella. Music festival, there's multiple stages. There's a multitude of artists that you could listen to at the same exact time. Which do you choose? Basically, if you choose to watch The Weeknd, you cannot watch Cardi B. I don't know why she was the first person, but she's been very good at branding and making herself a very, you know, at the forefront of the current culture. But anyway, you watch The Weeknd, you don't see anybody else. You're not going to be able to be at The Weeknd show and you're seeing anybody else. You there. You you committed your time and your physical presence to be at the weekend show and not any other artist. So that's basically what opportunity cost is. When you choose something, the cost of that is the opportunity to see, do, be at other things. And so the reason why this this idea has been so much at the forefront of my mind is in this new phase of my life where I'm freelancing um, and after the full, what, three to four months of anxiety that ensued after I stepped down from my full-time job and having a salary, everything got more, I guess everything just intensified. Everything took on a different level of urgency in my life. 
especially because the anxiety that that came about that I wasn't I was not prepared for. I anticipated having, you know, a little bit of freaking out here and there, but I was in full-blown meltdown, y'all. Um just breaking out on my face, having panic attacks, not being able to sleep well. I rolled my ankle, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If you've been listening to this podcast, the laundry list is pretty long, but you know, all these things coming up in my life definitely hindered me from A, being able to function as a human being and B, really questioning how I spend my time and energy. And I think that's something that's pretty universal that happens as you get older. And I think the the real, the real prompting of that is just honestly the wear and tear of our bodies and how tired we get. Just to to backtrack a little bit, when I was in my 20s, you know, there's definitely a sense of, there's anxiety in a different way where you're like, what do I choose? What do I do? Like, there's all these options ahead of me. How do I proceed? Right. But on the flip side, that's like a really amazing feeling to feel like the world is my freaking oyster. Like I can do anything. I can go anywhere. I, I'm untethered. I'm not for a lot of people or, you know, I'm not married yet. I don't have a family. I don't have a mortgage. I just got to rent a place. I just need a place to rest my head, fill my belly and I'm good, you know? And there's a level of feeling invincible and feeling like you have a lot of time. And I think that that's really amazing. I think that's super valuable. It's, um, you know, there's nothing quite like it. There's, and, and the thing is that as you move on to your 30s and above, like the world still is your oyster. I'm not by any means like an old Spencer yet, um, <laughs> according to my mother. But, you know, Generally, you just a lot of things move on, right? So that I think that decade of the twenties is a really special time of feeling just like that there's so many options and that, you know, you can do anything, be anything, go anywhere. But that really changes as people grow older and you know, there's a real danger to comparing. You know, it's really hard not to compare. And I think that when you overdo that comparison thing, whether that's because your parents do it, um, Instagram does it, whatever, it's really dangerous just because it puts you in a place of being at the mercy of what everyone else thinks versus who you think you are and want to be. Um, but that's like a tangent. But when you get into that comparison mode, it's normal to assess. You're just looking around and evaluating where are other people at in their lives compared to and juxtaposition to where I am in my life. And a very common thing that happens in people's 20s is, you know, a lot, not everybody, but a lot of people will figure out their career trajectory. They'll even fake that they figured out their career trajectory because then you get onto like your 40s and 50s and people reach their midlife crises and then you realize like a lot of them done made the wrong decision, right? So you never know. Um, but that's what you think when you're in your like later 20s. You're, okay, people are really starting to find their group. They're making their decisions. They figure out their careers. A lot of people will find a spouse. They'll find somebody that they want to spend a significant amount of their life with, start having children, you know, creating other humans. That's a pretty big, pretty big step. And those milestones occurring in other people's lives, your friends, your family, et cetera, your classmates, it's going to naturally cause you to assess like, okay, where am I at my life? Am I anywhere close to that? Um, am I even dating anybody seriously? Uh, have I found a job that pays me enough money that I can pay rent and have some some left over to like do things that I like? Am I spending my time well? Am I passionate about what I do? 
And I think that's really where I'm kind of at that juncture with a lot of my friends being in our 30s and having an older brother who's, you know, in his mid, later 30s and his friends. That that of my generation is moving on to these really much more major points in their lives where they're now responsible for other people besides themselves. Um, they're responsible for partners. They're responsible for children. And that I, I can only imagine, but I've been observing, is a huge shift in how we really think about our time and our energy. The only way that I can relate is just the wear and tear on my body. I think, you know, reflecting on my 20s, I don't regret anything, to be honest. I think that's, I'm very fortunate to feel that way because I know that there are some people out there who really regret how they spent their 20s. I think I've done enough reflection and evaluating to feel like I, I took chances. I did some risky things, some of which maybe there's like, okay, not, maybe a little bit of regret, but like, okay, definitely not going to repeat that. Right. Um, But, you know, I don't feel like there are that many stones that I left unturned. And that's a good feeling. Um, But in any case, I'm at a different place in my life compared to most of my friends. I'd say most of the people in my life that are at my age, if they're not in LA and on the similar grind where we're like actors and artists and hustling and freelancing, everybody else around that, and even a lot of my younger cousins, et cetera, who are several years younger than me, are married, having children, or some are very, very close to it. And that's been a pretty significant thing for me um, on top of the fact that a lot of my friends are settled into careers where they're making bank. And while they might not be fulfilling a lot of their dreams per se, they're still really happy. Um, they're, they're not like terribly unhappy. They're a little bit wistful. They're like, oh man, that's very sweet. They're like, oh Minji, you're going for your dreams. Like, you're making a podcast and you're you're in BuzzFeed videos. Like that's so cool. But and and that's really cool that they get excitement out of that. I really appreciate it, like 100 percent But on the flip side, I'm a little bit envious of their stability and not having to not having to worry about their next paycheck, that they have a retirement fund and that they have vacation days and that when they take those vacation days, they have a pretty sizable check that they can spend to go to Greece or to go to Australia or what have you. And while I might have freedom in a lot of other ways, which I love and adore, again, those those choices that I've made and the choices that they've made have those opportunity costs. And that theme has been really strong. Um, Maybe it's the time of the year since we're like in fall and we're back to school mode. Maybe that's just like an automatic visceral reaction we have to the weather or the changing of the seasons. Like once summer's over, right? Maybe the 20s are like the summer. I don't know. Um, But you just feel like, okay, now it's time to get Time to get serious. It's getting colder now. Days are shorter. Maybe it's like the scarcity of even daylight makes you think, how do I spend my time? Um, And that's really what's at the crux of this whole reflection point is how do I spend my time? How do I spend my energy, my mental and emotional energy? And how do I spend my money? All of those things have been super, super prominent in my life. Um, and that's just something, I mean, I'm just shooting this out there into the universe to really just think out loud, share some of my thoughts and honestly prompt thoughts in others. I think it's, it's just helpful. Um, I've had a lot of really great friends through these kinds of conversations really 
making me sit back and reassess where I'm spending my time, my energy, and my money. Um, Because I think we just, I certainly live in a world of FOMO. I mean, FOMO is going to be a whole other podcast episode because we got we got to break down like the social media world that we live in. But suffice it to say, y'all know what I be you know, what I'm saying when I say the FOMO is real. Um, it's just factually incorrect to say that we are not living in the most extreme in your face, showing you know looking at everybody's highlight reels of their lives and feeling what I believe to be a heightened level of anxiety because of the heightened level of exposure that we have to each other's detail of each other's lives on a seriously a moment to moment basis, whether it's Snapchat or Instagram story or your Instagram or Facebook, we know what's going on a lot. And the vast majority of it is positive stuff. Now I'm not, I'm not even, I mean, I feel like at this point I'm not as affected, but I also know how much it affects me to see when I'm feeling uncertain about my life or feeling anxious about the future, when I'm watching people grow and prosper and make money and build relationships that look just like out of a freaking magazine and going to places willy nilly. Like it just, it definitely messes with my head a bit. It really gives me this a sadness or an envy or a concern or a fear that I'm never going to attain that. And that just sucks, man. Like that sucks so much to, because it takes away from the awesomeness that we all have in our lives. You know what I mean? Like happiness and joy, it's not a circumstance. Like what I'm learning in my, in my adulthood is that's that's a choice and that's an attitude. That's a habit. That is something that you cultivate. It's not something that like is dropped in your lap through like a Tiffany's box. I don't even know why I say Tiffany's because I, I hate that crap. And not hate it. I don't like what it stands for. I think it's kind of whatever. But anyway, whatever that may be, whatever that like teal, blo- teal blue box is for you, um, it doesn't come in gift form. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not the things. So we keep learning. That's why I have movies and songs to remind us that things don't replace relationships and experiences and, you know, peace, peace of mind and feeling fulfilled and feeling grateful. You know, I I personally think the happiest times I've ever been is when I feel profound gratitude. And when I think of opportunity costs in terms of the choices that I'm making, and I want to offer some examples that have been coming up through my conversations it's been it's been a very humbling experience because I think when you step back, at least for me, when I step back and I look at the choices that I've made, it becomes more and more apparent to me of what I gave up in order to choose what I did. And sometimes those choices, a lot of those choices, are not choices you would repeat. So people might argue like, okay, that's something I truly regret. Um, but I feel like... You know, I don't know. I've changed. I've changed a lot in terms of what I feel like I regret. Just if I learn something from it, then I don't regret it because it taught me something. But I need to learn from it in order for me not to regret it. Um, but in any case, yeah, I've, it's a very humbling experience because you have to really look at yourself and you have to really look at the choices that you made. You have to be really honest in a way that can suck, 
really, because you have to be accountable. I think that's the hard part is that you have to see, did my choices, were they for my betterment? Were they wise? Were they, you know, if you blew, if you max out your credit card and you spent like five to $10,000 on stuff that you didn't need and you're in debt and stressed out for the next however many years of your life, but you know, that Balenciaga bag or those Jordans or whatever made you that happy. I mean, that's, that's on you. You know, I, I cannot project my values on you, but I definitely know, say for example, for money, there are things that I have spent a lot of money on that were a complete waste of my time. I didn't gain enough out of it to, to make up for the fact that it really messed with my sense of financial security and stability. And that's something that came up recently with friends who are married who are, you know, they're all trying to help each other out. And that's a different phase that I'm not, I'm not part of that married club. But when you have a spouse and you got to talk about your finances, you got to expose yourself of like what your habits are. You're trying to build a family. You're trying to save for a house. You know, I'm a homeowner, at least in that part, I can relate. You have very significant responsibilities that are different than when you're just renting a house or when you're only responsible for yourself. So when it comes to money, I mean, that's one of the key things that are super, super sensitive and really personal because it reflects where we place our value, right? Um, And I've had friends, even myself, like I've had a lot of times where I spent money very irresponsibly. And that's a sucky thing to look at your credit card bill and recognize like, oh, well, those shoes or that thing or that class are like, oh my gosh, how much money I've spent on nonsense. Okay. For real, I have, (laughs) oh my God, I am sharing this on air. I um, used to do wine and wine Wednesdays. Gina, if you're listening to this, my old roommate, when I first lived on my own and I was all like Beyonce independent womaning out in Oakland, um, we would have this thing called wine and wine Wednesday and uh, we would have wine and wine, W-H-I-N-E. We would just have a vent session and Oh my goodness, I miss those very much because they're very, very cathartic. But in any case, I had a tendency when I would get drunk off that wine, which I'm a super, super lightweight. It's embarrassing. It would take me probably like three sips. Um, after I would, I would drink that wine, uh, I would buy things, <laughs> but not just things. I would buy things because we would stay up late with the TV on. I would buy things from infomercials. Okay. Oh, I feel so seen. I'm so exposed right now. Um, I used to that. I've done. I think I did that three times. I was one of the earliest owners of Shakeweight. <laughs> Why am I sharing this? I'm being real. Okay, that was the stupidest. I used it so I could test it, and I think I used it like according to its uh, purpose and instructions. I think I used it three times. And please don't like envision me. That's a like it's such a problematic funny thing. It's funny. I don't care. And it's a funny story. But I spent money on that, y'all. I spent money that I worked hard for. That's like at that time, that was probably like a, a whole hour's worth of pay. You know what I'm saying? I spent an hour's worth of my hard earned my Berkeley degree <laughs> on a shake weight. Okay. And that's one of the things that I bought from, from an infomercial. 
Side note, that also brings me to alcohol. I don't know. And this is what, like, this is just me, okay? I'm not hating on you because if you like to drink, good. Be safe. Don't hurt yourself or other people. For me, I personally could not wrap my head around how much money and how much, uh, like, physical time people spent on drinking. Now, I grew up in a very, very alcohol-friendly environment since forever. You know, relatives, um, my friends drink, uh, and they're very big on the happy hour. And, you know, it's a huge part of the socializing universe of society. I've never really been good at it. I never really liked it. Um on occasion, you know, for celebrations, yeah, I'll have some champagne, I'll have some wine, but in general, like, I just can't handle it, and it just make me sleepy. I'll just pass out. I fell asleep at a rave, you guys. Like, that's how much it makes me sleepy, and it just became a liability for me. It became made me a liability to my friends. I just don't really like it that much, and on top of that, I would just be so blown away at how much money my friends would spend at happier when drinks are supposed to be discount, discounted. Like, how much money do you spend? And then, like, how often do you go to happy hour? Because I see your social media and you be at happy hour all the time. Like, damn, that's a lot. That's a lot of money. And, you know, again, I'm not hating on you if that's you. But I personally, just for me and the happiness that I gleaned out of drinking, which was very little to none, it just didn't feel like it was a good spending of my money, which in, in turn makes me regret some of the, you know, drinking that I did when I went clubbing. I have nothing against clubbing or going out um, because I loved going out and getting dressed up and I love, love, love dancing. But the times, like, there are some very, very questionable things that happened and that I, you know, in hindsight, I was like, this is before Lyft and Uber, just like risky situations that happen because of drinking, you know, and there's an opportunity cost for that, either damage to my body, potentially damaging others and all those things. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just giving you some very uh, unintentional personal stories from my own uh, 20s to just, you know, and some of those habits carry on into adulthood. So there's there's people out there for health or financial purposes, like just really thinking about what is what is the benefit that I get out of this choice and what am I giving up in exchange for it? And as I get older, I'm really, really mindful of respecting myself and respecting what feels good for me. Um, I guess the FOMO that I felt by not drinking, I felt a lot of pressure when I was younger um, that I didn't belong in this club where everyone liked to get wasted. And honestly, I feel like I forced myself to drink more than I wanted to just because everyone was doing shots or people are playing beer pong or, you know, it's a very, very like, Saturday school, like after school special thing about peer pressure and drinking. I definitely bought into that and it's embarrassing and it's very sad just because like it didn't really make me happy. So, you know, even that, that was not one of my first (laughs) examples off the top of my head, but there you go. Um, And, you know, when it comes to dating too, one of the biggest things that I've, I've reflected on, if anybody, uh, you know, has listened to my dating podcasts, which are very popular, by the way. I'm glad you guys enjoy them. Um, There's a real cost of just time and energy. If anything, our relationships are so key to our happiness, our fulfillment, our feeling like we have somebody who has our back or somebody who doesn't. I've dated, I, you know, listen to my Me Too story. That's one of the biggest, like, life-changing experiences that I went through 
as a young person, handing my life over to somebody who is abusive and terrible for me and who I rationalized and defended. And it's all sort of levels of of complexity and just it's messed up. And I also have to reflect and understand that I was a child when all that happened. But, you know, that experience taught me a lot of like what I will and will not tolerate, you know, and I don't think I've ever had a bad boyfriend since then. I think I've dated really great guys, but also I think I dated guys for too long. I think there was a fear of conflict and a fear of being rejected and a fear of being alone that I stayed in relationships. I think that were not making me truly happy or fulfilled. And I stayed in them way too long. A lot of them, a lot of them, or I just dated guys or I sought the attention from people that were not worth my time. They did not deserve five seconds of my time, let alone five months. You know what I mean? Those are things to like be really honest about. And And then it's hard to not just be honest about it and think about it and feel it, but then act on it. It's really hard because the opportunity cost as you get older, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between, you don't get that time back. You know what I'm saying? And maybe it's different for me. I've shared this a lot with Kenji and a lot with just friends in general that maybe there is a difference with men and women because I have a clock. You know, I've had to really think about... If I'm going to date you just because you're cute and I get my jollies and feel all validated because I'm dating somebody hot but kind of dumb and I don't really connect with you and we're not really going anywhere, but I really like that you like me and I'm working on liking you even though I don't really like you and talking to you takes a lot of effort, but I feel it really, really good when I see your name pop up on my phone and you're texting me like, good morning, like I don't really like you, but yeah, you texted me, so I feel great. Trust me, been there in spades. That gets really old really fast, but it's also a really hard habit to break when you don't have a lot of, you know, when you're working on your self-worth and self-esteem. So that's a bit of a tangent, but the opportunity cost of that is that you're spending all this time and energy, you're giving your body and your attention to this person you're not truly happy with. And in the meantime, like I would, like at this juncture in my life, I'd rather be alone than be with somebody who drains me more than they give me life. And if you listen to the one of the most recent episodes, which is talking about fighting with Kenji, relationships are hard, you know? On the flip side, if you are in a relationship, there are opportunity costs in every situation, including when you're with somebody. How petty are you going to be? What are you going to fight about? Is it worth fighting about or is harmony and compromise and being there for your partner who's there for you and compromise themselves for you? What's worth it? You know? And those are all things that just keep heightening, man, because time keeps getting faster. You get more tired and your tolerance gets lower. And I think as long as it's not something that becomes damaging, I think that's good. I think that's for the best. So yeah, those are just some of my thoughts on the opportunity cost of money, on health, um, you know, relationships, so key, so, so key. We're all trying to figure ourselves out. Are you giving enough space for yourself? Are you giving so much of your time and energy to even to someone that matters? Like someone maybe who is completely worth your time and energy, but you're not giving yourself yourself time. You know, are you giving yourself time to read a book that you like, watch a show that you like? write in your journal, like go for a walk. Is everything compromised specifically just for that other person? I mean, 
that doesn't do that person any good too if you just become, you know, doormat or somebody who loses themselves completely. It's it's tough. There, it's a fine balance to strike and there's an opportunity cost of being too invested in everything else. And this might sound really sexist, but I've seen a very common trend and habit in a lot of women in my life, especially my friends were listening to this. I'm calling all y'all out and I'm calling myself out that you can definitely play the martyr and just be there for everybody and not be there for yourself. That's extremely dangerous. There's a huge opportunity cost because you lose yourself. You are not there for you. You don't value you. You don't value your body, your time, your peace of mind, your clarity, your ability to function. Now, there's a way to be a high-functioning, depressed person. There's a way to be a high-functioning, you know, anything. And a lot of women have adapted to that lifestyle. And it might feel, you know, borderline shameful or you feel a lot of guilt for demanding space for yourself. But that's necessary, man. That's so necessary. Not man, woman. (laughs) It's necessary to be there for you. Because nobody else is going to fight for that if you don't fight for it yourself. Maybe you're very lucky and have some benevolent people in your life who will fight tooth and nail for you to have you time. But if you don't fight for it, if you don't value that, it's very lost. It's very easy. It's very, very easy to just get lost in the shuffle. It's very easy for all the hours to go by where you tend to everybody else's needs, to your parents' needs, to your spouse, your partner, your children, your friends, your PTA, your HOA board, whatever, and not to yourself. You know, that's, that's something that I've definitely struggled with um, because I was so caught up in like, does everyone like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? Am I helping you? Am I making you happy? And I'm not stopping to be like, am I happy with you? Am I happy with this situation? There's a very significant opportunity cost there. You need to have balance. I need to have balance. I think that's the main point. I need to have balance. And I implore that you check that out for yourself and see if you are too. You know, you got to you gotta be happy there too. It all matters. So in any case, um, in this day and age of massive FOMO and comparison, but ultimately, you know, we're just, it's just different. I'm not going to say it's harder, better, or worse than previous generations. I don't know because I didn't live it. I think we have a lot of conveniences and advantages right now, even in the age of all this like inundation of social media and social pressure and anxiety. That's the maybe that's a trade off for having all this convenience and insight into each other. And honestly, I am just of the mind that I don't want to be a victim. (laughs) I refuse. Um, And I like to make things work for me. You know, if I'm going to be in this day and age, I can't escape it. How can I make it work for me? How can I strategize to, to navigate it and not constantly, overwhelmingly suffer from it? I don't think anybody, I believe in you out there if you're listening to this, whatever you're going through and wherever you're at in terms of feeling like you've made all the best decisions or maybe all the worst, the bright side is that you can change that. These are things that are within our power to address day by day, little choice by little choice, and I think that they absolutely build on themselves and build on each other and asking for help and sharing these thoughts with other people are the best ways that we can continue to help ourselves and grow out of whatever previous version we want to grow out of. Maybe you're fine with all the things that you've done and that's awesome. 
Maybe this is just a reflection point where you to reflect that, yeah, I've made some really good decisions in my life. That's awesome. In any case, I feel like it's a win if you reflect and, and clarify that you really like how you've conducted things or, and if you reflect and realize there's some things that you need to improve on so that you can help yourself more, I think that's a win too. Um, what I think would suck is that if you kept repeating something that brings you down, gives you anxiety, puts you in debt, um, ruins relationships, and you're not doing anything to improve on it, you know? Uh, I think that's the real loss because time is scarce. And if you are under 30 and listening to this, let big sister Minji tell you, you will get tired. You will not have all the energy in the world. So please relish the energy that you have right now. I say this to all the youngsters. I'm so like, I'm sorry if I come off belittling. It's coming out of loving like big sister annoying habit, whatever, because I have it done to me. But I say with all the love in my heart, seriously, really relish the time and energy you have, you know, because you don't get that back. You just really don't. And, um, oh, one other thing that I want to recognize besides just romantic relationships is, you know, friendships and family. The main thing that has been really hitting me, um, is recently Gina, my old roommate got married beautiful wedding, super happy for her. It was lovely. Um, and reflecting on how 10 years ago we were having wine and wine and dealing with horrible boyfriends and things like that. It was really just a beautiful moment for me to see her find the love of her life and start their lives together. Also, my best friend, Linda, love you. Um, she is just about to birth another human into this world. And I think she's going to be an incredible mother. And I've known her since we were nine and it's just crazy for me to see her become a mom and be by her side. And my friends Jane and Alice, they've been married. Jane's a mom too. Like it's ridiculous. I've been watching my friends create other people and raise them and tend to them and completely flip their lives upside down in some of the most amazing and frightening ways to really give them the best chance at being good people and doing great things in this world. And it's completely blown my mind to see my friends and my peers do that. So, and even my guy friends, even like seeing part of your friends, shout out to Jason, um, who have changed their ways so significantly from having been like the freewheeling party guy to being the family man. I mean, these are complete shifts in lifestyles and where they spend their times, when they wake up, how they'll spend those hours. Um, and that's really made me reflect on my parents and how much I spend you know, how much I do or don't spend my time and my effort to connect with them, to send my mom a text, to respond to her when she texts me something, to watch a silly YouTube video that she sends me or like ask my dad how he's doing. And that's one of the things that's really very profound for me to keep reflecting because I don't live in the same area as my parents anymore that every time I go back, they keep getting older. And now we're reversing into this place where like, the kids start to become the parents and we're starting to really think forward of retirement and where they're going to be and how they'll live. It's, it's a lot. You know, if there's anything that changes your sense of time and your sense of urgency, at least for me, is seeing my parents age. And it's just a very good reminder that you don't have forever, that the choices that you make big and small You know, the $5 you spend on Starbucks versus putting that money towards investing in a new place or into a class that will improve your career or 
the hour that you spend at happy hour versus taking an improv class or what have you. You know, like there, there's so many ways that we can choose different things in our lives. And I'm not telling you which way to choose one or the other. That's for every person to decide for themselves. And um, I just hope that you make choices that are thoughtful and that are in alignment with your priorities. Because sometimes we'll make a lot of decisions out of habit, sometimes out of fear, sometimes out of sheer laziness that are not helping us live the best versions of ourselves. And that's what I think is the most important thing because all of our values and priorities are different. So I'm going to close with a fun win that I want to like pat myself on the back a little bit for is uh, I noticed that I did turn for the better. Um, mainly just because I've been auditioning more and I booked some more voice gigs, but that's not the example I wanted to. That was just like a side humble brag, whatever, whatever. It's cool. I just booked some gigs. It's cool. Um, but the, the win that I did had nothing to do with money, but it had to do with my career because I recently reflected on acting and I can be very critical, right? Like I have just been in the entertainment industry and the scene for like pretty much a decade solid and watching how people work. And I'm a very, I'm very big on work ethic. That's one of the most attractive qualities I see in others, whether that's, you know, romantic or friendship or just like a colleague. I'm, I'm very much an admirer of solid work ethic. Some people are very smart um, and they use their time very efficiently, but I'm like, I like, I believe in hard work. You know, I think work begets work. That's my problem is I hate balance. I need to chill out a lot, but in any case, um, you know, especially when it comes to acting, because I have such a reverence for the craft, I believe that even if you have a lot of natural talent, whether you are a painter or a singer or a writer or an actor, you still, you know, you continually, you, you continually craft your art by working on it, by doing it, right? Like a cinematographer is not going to be come good unless he's shooting he or she is shooting things on a camera right it's the actual shooting of something and analyzing your framing and looking at the movement and seeing the how it plays with lighting and the emotions you pick like those take the doing so I was sitting and asking myself am I doing everything to help myself this is what I said I wanted to do I want to be an actor am I doing everything that I can do to help myself now, there were times where I definitely excused a lot of things. I said, well, I cannot currently afford to spend hundreds of dollars on acting classes. So in that case, I'm like, okay, I'm not in class right now. But then that also bugged me because I've heard all these super inspirational stories about actors who, you know, they didn't need class. They would just learn lines anyways. You know, they would do plays in their free time. Am I reading enough? Am I, ta- you know, I have a subscription to masterclass. Am I learning? Am I setting aside time to get on camera? That's like a recommendation from so many teachers, like get comfortable, put yourself on camera, learn a new monologue. Um, there's so many things I could be doing, right? Am I reaching out to managers? Like I said, I would for the last six months. Side note, that's a no. But One of the things that I realized, because I do this thing called admin every week with a group of my actor friends, we get together and we talk about where we're at in our careers. And that's one thing that was really keeping my confidence and my hope alive that I could 
do it and make it as an actor is because on a weekly basis, I would check in with my peers and with my trusted group of friends and we would report back to each other. Like, this is what I've been up to. This is what I'm doing. What are you doing? What do you need help with? This is what I need help with. So that was something that was keeping me afloat. But I realized like the one thing that I have not done that's been on my admin notes for literally months is put a new monologue on tape. Now that literally, I have I have multiple tripods, I have my phone, I have multiple cameras, and I still have not done this. Now, I'll do a whole other podcast because I want to bore you with why I didn't do it, but suffice it to say, I did not do it. I have not done it for at least six months. So last Saturday, um, instead of going to three different events, and these are all great things that I would definitely have enjoyed um, and people that I would have loved to see, but realize that I have a priority right now in my life and that's to get more acting gigs is to become better on camera. I really sat I really sat back and thought about what's the opportunity cost of this evening right now. My hours are scarce, my energy is scarce. I'm not always in a mindset to get emotional and to put myself on camera and then look at myself. It's like super maybe that's a really big reason why I don't like looking at myself. It's really the because smiling in front of a camera is very different than like watching you crumble and cry and get mad and stuff. But I was like, I got to do this. I got to do it. And so I geared myself up. It took so much effort. But um, I spent last Saturday night at home, not going to three different events that I wanted to go to. And I did my monologue. I actually ended up working on it for 90 minutes straight. Then I did an old monologue that I've done way before for years, but I never put on tape. I did a second monologue. It basically just kind of built on itself and rolled. I just rolled with it. And at the end of the night, I had spent three hours working on two monologues. I was super emotionally spent. I was super tired because I gave it my all. And I maxed out, I filled up my memory card and everything, and I, uh, I burned through two batteries. But it was amazing. I was just, it felt really, really good. Now, to be to be honest, I still felt a lot of FOMO. I watched all the different events that I didn't go to, you know, from like eight different angles on Instagram story. Everybody was out having a good time. And I definitely still felt that like tinge of like, oh man, it's so sad and like so millennial that I'm like, oh, I wish I could have taken a picture with them and posted it. And, oh, that could have been me. It should have been in there. And that sounds so sorry and sad, but that's just really honestly part of what I thought and felt. I was like, oh, like I haven't posted in so long. And like, oh, do people even know that I'm friends with these people? Because like they're all out together and I'm not out there and I used to be out there with them all the time. And like, I mean, that's just the LA in me. It's such a scenester town. But in any case, I I felt the FOMO. But what I felt stronger and more peaceful and like happy about was the fact that I worked on my career. I was happy. I was like, there will be more events. I will be perfectly fine. I didn't, and I was like happy that I didn't spend money on gas or parking. Um, and that, you know, I saved time by not having to get dressed up and do my makeup, which I love, but like not all the time. And I just kind of basked in that for a second. That felt really, really good. So, you know, our priorities are constantly changing, guys. Everybody is is transforming as a person. We're all going to shift gears. Um, 
shift careers, change relationships, our roles will change. Like that's inevitable. So I'm just putting this out there for food for thought on my reflection on how opportunity costs, the concept, the idea, the reality of that is playing out in my life. Um, and it's small adjustments. Like, you know, nobody changes drastically overnight. And if you do, it kind of doesn't, it tends to not stick. Um, and the habits take a long time to build, whether it's your health, your relationships, your mental clarity, you know, a new skill that you want to learn, whatever, you know, whatever it is in your life that you're thinking about, give yourself time, but be intentional. You know, it's, it's, it's all in order to help ourselves, you know, and I think that the world is a better place when we are really honest and effortful. Is that a word? <laughs> Putting in the effort. Do the, do the work for yourself. It pays off. You know what I'm saying? And if there's anybody to work for, it should be you. I would like for it to be me because I want to I wanna live happily with the rest of the world. I want to be of service to the world. I want to be happy. I would love to have a nice, comfortable paycheck that I can get a really nice house and not trip about gas and food and then have extra to invest in other things and spend on people I'd love, you know, not bad stuff. It's good stuff. So, uh, if you enjoy this podcast, I hope that you will share it with somebody, share it with somebody that maybe you want to like, maybe it's a conversation starter. You know what I mean? Um, let it be the thing that provokes thought. Okay. So, um, that's it for this episode of first of all, and I want you to be happy and healthy, safe, fulfilled, all the good things. And I would also love for you to leave a five-star review if you like this podcast episode and subscribe. You can find First of All Podcasts on Apple on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio Public, and everywhere else you find podcasts. Big shout out to the Potluck Podcast Collective, which is a collective of Asian American storytellers and podcasters. I love y'all. You are my inspiration amongst many others, but I appreciate you. Thank you so much to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer, my producer. Thank you to Aquafina for use of her song, Yellow Ranger. And a huge, huge, huge hug and shout out to my Patreon patrons. We just had our September Google Hangout. It was so much fun. I love all you guys. Thanks for giving me feedback, giving me advice on my life, listening to things that I say and sharing your stories with me. If you're interested in supporting me in this podcast, please go to patreon.com slash first of all podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Minjeezy. And uh, yeah, that's it for this week. Tune in next time. We've got a lot more fun stuff. I have some friends in Atlanta that I'm hitting up that we're going to record some real amazing conversations. So I'm very excited to share that with you guys. Until then, take care of yourselves, take care of one another, and I will talk to you later. Bye.